Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. In today's episode, we explore the metaphysics of money, beginning with the fantastical question of whether Jesus owned his own clothes and why that question was of international significance about 1700 years ago. Has it been answered? Well, keep listening to find out. The subject of money leads us to explore many different topics from the gold standard to competence and caring as the basis for healthy work, the difference between money seeking and meaning seeking. It really is a deep part of the experience of being human. Also on October 8th, 2022, there'll be a clubhouse event with Brie Baron, that's Stace's wife, along with Gertrude Wunschmann and Eric Grace. You can find info on all that by going to the clubhouse app and searching for Holy Human Club, that's W-H-O-L-L-Y, Holy Human, to find Eric Grace, or you can search by his name. For the, also, uh, there's an October 23rd event that I spoke about last time um, that is going to be another open door day. Uh, We did one already on Clubhouse, and I think it went very well. That one's going to be on Zoom. You can reach out to Eric about that. Or if you want to email me just to say hello and tell me how much you absolutely love the podcast, you can email me at joseph, J-O-S-E-F, at clearandopen.com, and I'll connect you with Eric. I'd love to hear from you. And if there are any questions, anything you want us to talk about, we're open to that as well. I remind you, as always, to please listen to this podcast from the beginning and in order. Thanks so much for listening. Well, welcome forward, listeners, to another exciting, dazzling, and <laughs> metaphysically thought-provoking episode. Of... <laughs> it's, my goal is just to make Stace laugh and, as quickly as possible in the beginning. I, didn't, I was not conscious until this moment. Then I was like, as soon as you laughed, I felt, a, ah, I got it. Got <laughs> the entertainer in me. Uh, this is an asset, not a liability. In yes. You, sir. Well, so. uh, it, it, but it's also been a liability at times in my life. So it, well, yes. there have been times where I have uh, forced myself to not be funny for weeks at a time in order to experience what it might have been covering up. Uh. Okay, which is is a rabbit hole we may go down one day. But on our agenda today is money. One of the uh, what do you call them? The estates of the human. Yeah, how many estates Mm -hmm. are there? Uh, I think the last count we had was seven, but I I have to look it up. Yeah, (laughs) I have to remind myself of uh, some of the. uh, There's so much to identity. uh, Yeah, and, and and people, I guess. I haven't expressed it this way in the podcast, maybe, but um, I'm a devotee of identity. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm its author, but um, however much of it um, sourced in me or sourced in spirit is another interesting conversation. Yeah, Uh, it wasn't it wasn't channeled. I can tell you I had some uh, (laughs) contribution to it, seminal contribution. But um, it's uh, it's interesting that. I, I, I could say on a local lifetime level, I'm a I'm in a devotee of identity, and uh, in uh, in the bigger picture, I'm a devotee of the Krista. Uh, the, mm. So that's another interesting structure of God thing that we might um, put a uh, 
um, identity's version of the structure of divine being into a little more finer focus for a, a near future podcast. Yeah, for sure. Well, and there's a whole other um, little rabbit hole right there that might be worth talking about because it's, um, I know in, in my own role as a teacher in, in the venues I teach, it's, it's so easy for people to get the uh, incorrect idea that just because you can talk about it really articulately means you're like totally embodying it. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best, best possible response. Just, and then laughter, right? But it really is. It's because, and you know, the, the audience con contribution to that that certainly uh, was um, uh, was in, in 1.0 EBE land, uh, Identity 1.0, my mm -hmm. projection with you that I still have to catch myself in is the desire on the student side for the teacher to be perfect. Uh -huh. And, mm -hmm. well, of course, everything they're telling me, they perfectly embody. And then when they find out it's not true, there's this pushback of like, oh, you didn't. But when it was never stated like, oh, I get all of this. But there's this <laughs> implicit desire we have for someone on this freaking planet to have everything figured out. Projection of perfect parents that uh, we yeah. never got. So, yeah. Yeah. So I just want to say explicitly, if it's not already explicit enough, just because Stace and I can articulately talk about this doesn't mean that we're not as you say, both devotees and working on this stuff every day. Every single day. Every single day. And sometimes uh, more often than that, it seems. <laughs> so um, with okay, I'd that... Like to a, I'd like to give a shout out, uh, excuse me, Joseph, Please. just to Bree on that because she was the one that um, uh, really fought for the difference between understanding the paradigm and embodying the paradigm. Uh, especially when it came to myself and my own shadow. And so, um, mm -hmm. yeah. And that's, it's her. also inevitable, I think, between women and men, because yin is so whole and uncompartmentalized, yes. uh, a woman is less able to do, which is a good thing, essentially, yes. what we're yes. doing all the time, which is talking, not as if we perfectly embody it, but to be able to compartmentalize you and yes. I can talk about it far better than we can embody it. And that's yes. critical to be able to teach it. But yes. you also need the counterpoint of like, yeah, but how well do you really embody that? Both have to be true. Sure. You know, and, and also uh, um, on the inside, because of that purity, wholeness, purity of wholeness, it actually um, is just as hard for yin to embody because they they come from a non-segmented, another way to say compartmentalization, a non-segmented wholeness relative to yang. Uh, and and that that allow that that disallows quick segmentation and processing. It slows down processing, sort of like a glacier. Uh, when a glacier moves, you never see a glacier move, but then you plot it over a year or two and you see how much it's moved. Mm -hmm. It's maddening uh, for Brie. I'll speak for Brie here um, for how slow the wholeness of the of the yin, uh, because it can't segment in some ways and embody meta. It it, it can it gets meta yin just as much as yang, but it but it's it's just as hard if not harder to embody meta because they are what they are, whereas yang is more we are what we believe we are. Uh, <laughs> You see, and yeah, so, I get the image of like a rubber band. Yang can sort of leap ahead mentally or metally yes. 
and yes. then catch up to itself and yin doesn't yes. do that no no and and that that's a really critical uh uh, uh meta structural truth that that really affects how both uh, men who are in an ideal sense, two thirds young, one third yin, uh, and women who are two thirds yin, one third yang, um, how differently they process reality uh, and at what velocity. Uh, so men, men look like they're always ahead of women, but it's, it's a total illusion. Yeah, and there's the patriarchy right there. It's like, well, we yeah. understand and can talk about this and you can't right. follow that, so therefore we must be better. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. Oh, God. And, and while we're on meta, um, mm. well, just something you said there at the beginning intro, um, the metaphysical basis of money or some reference to that. Mm -hmm. I'd always like to remind audiences occasionally uh, that that metaphysics doesn't mean spiritual dynamics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> metaphysical means um, the orienting assumptions governing the um, paradigmatic worldview that you are striving to um, live within and represent. Um, so metaphysics are, is a philosophical term, and it's been hijacked by New Age uh, spirituality into, oh, I'm into metaphysics. And, and I guess they mean by that um, worlds beyond this world, metaphysics, yeah. which is not, not an incorrect use of the word, but not how we mean it. So. Yeah, uh, I remember, I think a long time ago, you said, uh, you can't have a metaphysical experience, which is something, <laughs> that's how people use it to mean, a, you know, beyond dualistic yes. experience. And that's the way the New Age paradigm uses it, but that's not the way we use it. And it's part of the death of critical thinking, because yes. metaphysics is a part of critical thinking. Yes. Um, and so it's become, you know, having a woo-woo out there experience type thing, rather than really rigorous philosophical yes. discourse. Exactly, a rigorous um, uh, uh, philosophical integrity, also. So incoherence, yeah. Mm -hmm. you betcha. Yeah. So okay. we're going to apply that to money, which is it's well, let's, the, let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. I guess there's there's not too many topics beside money and sex that um, uh, uh, have as direct a contact of the spiritual rubber to the human road um, as sex and money. Uh, but in, in identity, because it doesn't see anything humanly uh, as inherently non-spiritual, uh, um, uh, there are it has deep and abiding metaphysical positions and offerings about money and sex. But it finds it turns out I've, I've, I chuckle a lot at how similar um, money and sex are in many ways in terms of how to orient in the fact that neither of them are the most important thing in life but they're not the least important uh, things in, in human life either. Mm -hmm. So with that uh, caveat, let's uh, dive in. And I uh, want to also say, I, I feel like money is often where some of the most distortions are because it's something we deal with every day. And the yeah. familiarity creates a, a false sense of sort of uh, security around it. Like, oh, I must, I earn and spend money every day. I must have some, you know, uh, you know, un, undistorted view of it when uh, usually uh, that's anything but true. <laughs> Truly. Uh, what, what, that's actually a part of how this will unfold today, I think. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm glad you uh, asterisked that particular dimension <laughs> of it. So I, I like to start out discussions with money in a quasi-spiritual quasi uh, context, and that is um, uh, uh, a little before the Council of Nicaea, way back when, 323 when, uh, AD? 
uh, something like that. Three twenty-five, three hundred, three three something. Mm -hmm. uh, when when they were struggling to codify this new brand, this brand new um, official religion of the Holy Roman Empire, um, called Christianity, uh, they were uh, they had all sorts of uh, writings and um, and quote unquote uh, testaments, gospels. Uh, to uh, have to figure out which one fits in best for the new religion they want to strategically make um, Const uh, Constantine and Fausta solid in their positions as emperor and empress mm -hmm. of the Holy Roman Empire's uh, um, picture. But anyway, um, at one point, and this is a beautiful example of the silliness of religion, of standard religion anyway, is that they convened a very important meeting to decide, vote on, whether or not Jesus owned his clothes. <laughs> now, this is this was a hugely metaphysical challenge uh, point because if they decided um, that Jesus did own his clothes, well, then maybe tomorrow, uh, maybe he owned his shekels, um, and um, after uh, owning his clothes and shekels, maybe he can own land and. And that all leads to the worst possible uh, outcome, and that is, might he own his body? Well, that one would be completely uh, in very dangerous territory. Because then he's a person with an individual set of motives and intentions, and it starts to erode the idea that he's the son of God and the exactly. son of God and all that. Right? Exactly, uh, especially the aspect that says he was born spermlessly. Uh, <laughs> right. So um, uh, that this was really a big issue, and and I actually marvel and respect that the intellect intellectuality of these electors, as it were, uh, trying to represent and codify Christianity, that they 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 realized this was an important point that they'd better have some damn dogma about, because they're going to be challenged about that with uh, over time. So the course. Uh, uh, they decided that he did not own his clothes. Um, and so there was a collective sigh of relief that they would never have to worry about having to decide if he owns his body. Collectivistic this, sigh collectivistic. of relief. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Joseph. So uh, this is, you know, we can smile uh, and chuckle about this, but uh, this is deadly serious stuff for Christianity mm -hmm. yeah. because without the spermless birth, immaculate deception, uh, uh, <laughs> Kind of thing, uh, Christianity collapses. Those are the two main mainstays: uh, the immaculate conception of Mother Mary, no original sin. The one immaculate conception has nothing to do with Jesus' spermless birth. A lot of people don't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. Theology. Yeah, the immaculate conception is Mother Mary was the only human being they voted on um, that was conceived without original sin. That's the immaculate oh, conception. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, couldn't have a couldn't have a regular mother with with original sin birthing the Son of God. You see, so they had to retrofit immaculate conception. Um, that's not the same as spermless birth. Uh, so that's why identity would like to clarify uh, the historicity of these things. Uh, but wait, how, how if if how how did they make that work? How does that she had no original sin? Everybody had that. And everybody uh, yeah, will but, have that. So how does but, she but exempt? They had to retrofit that reality uh, to be the mother of the Son of God. It was completely strategic. So it was just like she was somehow uh, yes, exempt somehow. through the magic somehow. of stuff. Okay. Yes. 
There's yeah. no <laughs> metaphysical argument for how that happened. No, this is classic example of magical thinking, not critical thinking. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, this was the case. So this, the collective sigh of relief, okay, he doesn't own his clothes, then we never have to worry about whether he owned his body or not. How could the Son of God be so limited by owning a human body, see? Which is, of course, sets up why he can arise into the sky uh, at the ascension uh, after yeah. he resurrected from the dead, which is another, of course, fiction of um, to fortify the uh, solidity of Christianity. So uh, going forward that with money, um, money is intrinsically related to that silly, important question, uh, whether he owned his clothes. Did he have to buy his clothes? You know, what, what was his relate? What was Jesus's relationship to uh, shekels and, and, uh, and life? Mm -hmm. uh, another interesting um, topic, but to stay on track for today, um, the, the best thing to start with when they, in that context is that the whole human race addresses the issue of money from lack. It's always, and not always, not actually seldomly appreciated that here is where um, the identities offering that no child has ever received the adequate emotional food necessary to become an authentic person without needing a shadow protector to um, step in and take care of human business. In other words, um, uh, because of that, we all start from an inauthentic or a lack of authentic being. And therefore, we're always going to be coming in all domains of life, including money, where it really shows up in day glow orange, from a point of lack. Because we're looking at money, um, it's in, in a sense, unconsciously, identity would offer that it's the in the context of childhood wounding, money is a substitute for the emotive safety, security, and well-being that was never provided in childhood. So, so much of our, uh, our toxic relatednesses with money are grounded in lack, as, uh, where money is unconsciously related to as a substitute for well-being, security, and safety. And that's how we nounify money. We make it a thing that um, will provide us with safety, security, and uh, well-being. So coming from lack means we're going to always have a shadow um, relationship with money until we get more in the center of our own authentic being. As you uh, once said, one of my favorite Stace quotes, uh, you can never get enough of what doesn't really nourish you. So <laughs> yes. if you identify money as something other than what it is and you're looking for yes. it to uh, uh, fill a hole from childhood, then you can never get enough or you're going to come from there is never enough. Yeah, when we talk about Jeff Bozos, I mean Bezos, <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know the 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 Zuck, uh, uh, the Zuck. Space, uh, or uh, Gates. You know these these folks. Uh, no matter how much charity giving they do, which is mostly optics in the way that I read out most of them, um, uh, is is that it's never enough. And uh, if it was enough, uh, uh, Jeff would have. Um, uh, um, uh, completely um, cut in by 80% all the fees that um, his corporation takes in mm -hmm. uh, Google-wise and uh, all this. So um, it wouldn't need the kind of a billion-dollar status or multi-billion-dollar um, sh uh, um, share uh, values. 
if it was enough. Right. So, in fact, in, in this domain, have you read recently how, um, what was the uh, clothing company that uh, just, he Patagonia. Just Patagonia. He just uh, he had enough money. This this guy, what a what a great guy. He has enough money, so now he wants to the 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 um the, the company is now owned by um the need that uh, the world has of certain funding <laughs> requirements. Mm -hmm. So he set it up this way to shift uh, his wealth into that really interesting corporate um, uh, structure. Mm -hmm. At any rate, uh, the this lack uh, coming to my to um. Uh, money from a point of lack means that before we get any further in, um, identity, again, as part of its metaphysical foundation, must define terms before we start banding them about uh, in, our, in our paradigm. Mm -hmm. So here's the definition, which we're going to parse into three, three um, uh, phrases here. Uh, the first part, well, I'll read the whole thing first, then we'll go with the parsing. Money for, uh, for identity is... Um, it's an energetic symbol, an energetic symbol for peacefully exchanging, um, how to say it, goods and services, um, value for value in a context of expressing one's passion path in life in mutual benefit and goodwill with others. Now that's loaded. That's a loaded one. So we're going to take each prepositional phrase here um, uh, um, apart. Money is an energetic symbol for peace of peacefully exchanging goods and services. Now, what is it? It's, it's a symbol. Um, and that means we have to talk about how the hard currency that you hold in your hand is not money. Mm. Uh, money is an idea. It's an idea uh, to um, take the place of hauling around bushels of wheat um, or anything else we want to barter with each other where some of us are full in one domain of uh, goods and services and others are not so full. So we use money as a shorthand and not have to lug around all these <laughs> uh, physical bartering uh, um, 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 matter-based things. So we invent an idea called money. And this uh, has been in, in, the, in the human consciousness for a long time. Uh, um, but the issue here is that very few people don't real re, very few people realize that money is not the hard currency that's once removed from the incredible idea of money which is beautiful elegant mm -hmm. um an, an amazing um one of the things that allowed civilization to to finally get off uh, out of the jungles um and the forests I remember so, once when you were teaching about this uh I remember vividly it was in a money seminar like 10 years ago you said it begins with uh, related to this mutual goodwill thing. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. And then you said, okay, but I don't have time to scratch your back right now. So here's <laughs> this symbol of value that is yes. good for one back scratching at some or other goods and services at some other future point in time. <laughs> yes, we could go off on that uh, a body based uh, scratching as a metaphor for a lot of other body based activities in which monetary values are assessed and expressed oh boy so yeah, yeah. so um so in that sense if we go one one step further the digital um ones and zeros on your bank account online is not money either that's twice removed from the essence of money which is this golden beautiful idea of um that allowed us to really um focus uh, our survival and thrival 
in ways that were mutually beneficial for each other as the ideal and as we know in the modern day that ideal is is becoming far is become unraveled so badly we have the one percent and the 99 percent and it's getting worse every year which yeah. we'll address address here maybe a little later mm-hmm. so in that sense um uh you, they when you look at money as the hard currency that you hold in your hand you're making a noun of it mm-hmm. but but and I, the idea of money is Actually, I would offer better suited to be a, a, a referred to as a verb because it's constantly in motion um, relative to the dynamics of needs and wants and exchanges between human beings. So as soon as we nounify it, oh, it's this gold or silver or green paper or colored paper that we exchange every day, we nounify it. And what happens then, identity offers, is that we create a relationship with it instead of creating a relationship to it. This is seems like a small prepositional um, shift, but it has a mountain um, of acreage difference to it. As soon as you make it a noun and, um, and, and you, and you ha- have a relationship with money, you're basically mating with it. Uh, uh, and if it's coming from lack, just like in relationship, it's codependent. Uh, we create a codependent relationship only with a, with nouns in many in most cases, not all. So once you have a relationship with money because you identify it as that stuff you hold in your hand or digitally um, represent on your on your uh, screen, um, you are you are already because we're all coming from lack. Uh, we always want more. It's never enough. Um, if we get up, we buy the if we get out of renting all, all our lives and to buy a house, okay, then that house uh, isn't big enough anymore. Or uh, our self-image says we need a little, we need a spa in it or we need a library in it or whatever, and we're off to the races. Mm-hmm. So what we've got here is when you come from lack, whether it's relationship with money or relationship with anything else, you're coming from um, a hole in us somewhere, an inauthentic hole, uh, and we're going to over-grab, over-attach, to that which comes from lack. And this is not, not uh, this should be so taught, but even starting in eighth grade um, about, about m- what money is and what money isn't and the ramifications of coming from lack toward it. Instead, so we it, learned that, uh, well, we don't taught anything about money, but to, related to codependence and overattachment, we're taught that sex is not worth the risk and that the abstinence is the best strategy. <laughs> that's, that's what I remember or, from eighth grade. Oh yeah, when Nancy was saying, um, um, "Just say no." Oh, same you know? with drugs, right? Just yeah, yeah. same same with drugs. It's all mm-hmm. all the same. So exactly right. But that clarity, really, I'm going to say it just one more time because to let that soak in for a moment, that any time we come from lack, which is a um, a hole in us, a hole in our authentic, soulful human being. Um, what we're going to connect to or or relate to with with money, with another person, with um, uh, our, 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 our career, whatever it is, as soon as we nonify something coming from lack, we're going to be um, projecting loss, uh, the opposite of loss. You're going to projecting gain in it that I have to have a lot of it in order to feel safe, secure, and full of well-being. So when you say relating with as opposed to to, 
inside with is sort of an entanglement. That's what you mean yes. by the preposition with, as opposed to two, where it's like you're over here complete and whole, yes. and that's over yes. there, and I can relate to it, not entangled up with it. Exactly right, Joseph. Uh, uh, relating to money is, is the only way to ever have a clean relationship with it that doesn't project too much or too little into it. Because identity would always ask us to look at both sides of the scale that that um, poverty and riches are not opposites. Uh, They're simply ends of the same rainbow. And a lot of people get off as much on poverty, consciously or unconsciously, um, as, as they do on riches. Not quite as many, but um, yeah. people's spiritual privation has been a, uh, a dynamical bandwidth of human endeavor for thousands of years. Yeah. And in that sense, poverty is a is a positive quality, and that's just as much of a problem uh, a poverty mindset or heart set as it is a riches uh, heart set. It's easier so it's not, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. Yes, uh, that that's been used to support privation uh, yeah. as an asset or uh, an asset of a liability. And, but that's that's what that inherently disconnects our humanness to our spirituality. And right. it's exactly this domain that identity was born to finally show that there, it is a seamless, there's nothing uh, uh, um, intrinsic to separating our humanity from our, our spirituality, um, uh, 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 starting with original sin, which was a complete fiction to control the masses. Um, and of course, we have money as the root of all evil to add uh, into that as well. Sure. And exactly my next point, uh, you read my mind there, Mr. Producer. Uh, <laughs> and that is that uh, it's not, identity would offer, it's not the love of money that's the, the, the cause of all evil. It's the will for money uh. that causes all the evil in the world. When we, when we um, uh, create a with relationship to money, project our shadows uh, and, and insufficiencies into it, uh, and then want well-being and security and safety from uh, on the other side. We're using our will, uh, and not our not love. Another way to say this is um, oh, because uh, it's coming from lack, and you can't come it, from love if there's a hole that you're filling. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and 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 to peel that onion one more layer, we when you say uh, Jeff um, or Bill or uh, the Zuck um, uh, love money. Uh, Really, it's not. That's a misnomer, a metaphysical slur blur, um, where where it's not that we love money. We love what money gives us, yeah. not money itself. Um, and this is another important thing that slips by even really intelligent people uh, every single day, especially those working in the stock market. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, where money, the, where money is more a noun than anywhere else, right? Right. Uh, and then, and then the worst version of that is arbitrage, which mm. is uh, uh, trying to figure out the floating value of money to your that when when it when it floats just in the right way to take advantage of it to make money off the value of money, which is just so far. Removed. And then you've got crypto, which is one more layer somehow, oh. impossibly removed from even that. It's exactly. a made-up currency that's more made up than the first made-up one that we're now going to trade. It's uh, when it becomes a commodity of uh, of floating value. Um, this is why identity was sad that uh, um, Nixon took uh, way back in the day took uh, uh, money off the um, 
the, uh, the, the relative value of gold. Um, this was, um, whether or not people know this, the history of this or not, but this was a scheme um, uh, put together by the Federal Reserve, which has nothing to do with the federal government. And it's not a reserve either. It's <laughs> no. neither federal nor reserve. Mm -hmm. No, this was a thing where, where it was leveraged, where they convinced uh, Tricky Dick that um, if, if, the, if, if they divorced the value of a dollar to a certain amount of gold, they could float, and just like we were saying, float currency free of gold um, uh, bedrock kind of relationship. And then whatever whatever um, they decided, uh, this cadre of people called the Federal Reserve, whatever benefited them the most, not the common good, whatever benefited them the most um, would be the value of money. So uh, returning to the gold standards is certainly not a panacea. It, it won't solve everything. But because money itself is an idea, having some re reality referent to the value of gold, just some, will minimize the kind of corruption that is possible in man manipulation of the value of money, which happens every day of the week and twice yeah. on Sunday. It might stop. It might stop things like printing. What was the pandemic? Was six trillion dollars or something? And the recently yeah. the pushing through of the uh, paying off the student loans by the government, which was right. fascinatingly, here's another metaphysics thing, um, just this happened just the last couple of weeks. So that got pushed through based on the emergency, some emergency clause related to the pandemic. But in the same month or the same week, perhaps Biden said the pandemic is over. Yes. Which is a total and complete contradiction. Well, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, Uncle Joe's, his heart might be in the right place. But wait, um, if the pandemic's over, why are there still vaccination mandates for people coming into the country? Mm -hmm. um, wait, what? Uh, so, you know, um, Democrats are not really good at uh, their, their forte is more heartful idealism, where the uh, grand old party, which is now, of course, uh, um, uh, the gang of pedagogues. <laughs> That's trying to say grandiose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the Democrats, you know, are, are the idealists. Idealists, and 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 historically, Republicans are the realists. And that's why, in one way, there is a basis for our two-party system. Uh, but because an Edenist <laughs> is socially progressive but uh, financially conservative. Um, we're, we're neither Democrats or nor Republicans um, by imprint, uh, and a lovely third party would be lovely one day if it was a viable thing that didn't take away um, too much from um, uh, the current system and its checks and balances. Yeah. But the the elephant, uh, the elephant's realism and the donkey's idealism is actually a pretty interesting and beautiful thing, even though those labels have switched over my lifetime. In the past, the Democrats uh, were were the uh, the friends of the core of, of business, and the Republicans were the friends of the common person. And now, That's right? Yeah, I never thought about that. that? Early, yeah, when you were growing up, the Southern D Dixie Democrats. These guys, give me a break. They it was all about them and their needs uh, and business. Uh, but then now, in the modern day, it's sort of for a while there it went back the other way, where the Republicans now, of course, the last twenty years. Um, have really been in the pocket of business, um, NRA and uh, included, and the Democrats more fighting for the rights of the small guy, you know, the small people, uh, mm -hmm. the lesser uh, well-known or the lesser uh, well-off. So, but now you've got a mix. 
Now they're but all so, in the pocket of business well, with just well, different yeah, presentations about it. Yeah. Exactly. They, they, all they do now is uh, juggle the balls of optics. Uh, well, I guess the Democrats young... got tired of watching the Republican uh, 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 people in office laugh all the way to the bank. They wanted yes. some of that, too. <laughs> right. Yes, they want it, but but they can't show what's behind the curtain, whereas mm. the Republicans were not, were proud to show what was right in front of the curtain uh, yeah. uh, and still do in that way. So um, um, in this way, we begun we begin our relationship to money on a whole other track in identity, and that is um, the only way to begin that um, journey to clean up our relationship to money is um, become our authentic uh, 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 version of self that was lost in childhood, uh, which is far deeper uh, going, uh, far deeper depth of uh, consciousness exploration than standard therapy, standard psychology, and even standard philosophy. So that that's a deep dive into becoming our most, embodying our most authentic being, which for most of us, uh, well, I started on that journey uh, um, a little even before my event in the late 80s. Uh, so that's going on uh, 40 years, um, 35 to 40 years. And I'm still chipping away at the uh, the protection and the, and the shadow. So uh, this is, but there are, there is a big difference between being 70% driven by unconscious shadow dynamics and 30% by authentic uh, versions, which is identity's offering. That's never enough uh, uh, in childhood. It can't cover our soulful authenticity 100% ever. Uh, we're, the soul is too strong. But with the difference between 70-30 shadow authenticity and 50-50 um, uh, is enough to drive a paradigm through. Hmm. Um, and so every little one one percent um, gets that gets added from one side of the equation of shadow based orient domain of human life to um, uh, authentic uh, changes the foundation and keeps rechanging the foundations for our embodiment um, as as authentic human beings. So in that sense, there's no way to not have a codependent relationship and nonification of money. Uh, to provide something we never re, uh, provide were provided in childhood unconsciously. So in that sense, that that's sort of our first phrase. Um, we've uh, kind of parsed that one down to the bone. Money as an energetic symbol. Yes, for mm -hmm. peacefully exchanging goods and services, right? Mm -hmm. um, next one, though, comes a really interesting topic, value for equal value. That's mm -hmm. the middle phrase here. Now, there's where we come in. To the whole idea of how competency uh, relates to the domain of money, a very seldomly um, examined, a philosophically examined uh, relationship between competency and money. But again, uh, identity looks in with different sets of eyes and sees through the natural discourse of our philosophical social um, uh, world and looks a little deeper. And in that sense, um, we, let's let's define identity's uh, definition of competency. It's the um, it's the uh, best way to say it is it's sufficiency of expertise in caring service to self and others. That's how we would define it. Competency. I'll say it again: is sufficiency of expertise um, uh, uh, in caring service to ourselves and to others. In other words, I, I can't take money 
for anything, for example, unless I deem myself competent enough to deserve it. Uh, well, here's here comes in uh, at this moment in our analysis, the worst sequela, Joseph, of um, of having a codependent relationship with money based in lack, and, and that is that um, uh, how many people just spiffballing here. How many people want the most money for the least effort? Well, that's what you're supposed to do, right? That's what you're <laughs> supposed to do is maximize it's, the return on your investment of time, of energy. It, that metaphysical position is so normalized, is so toxic and yet normalized into our world that it has driven the entire uh, uh, money madness um, uh, dynamic of our species in a relationship uh, with money. Uh, it is it is a given that everyone uh, should want, and it's completely reasonable to want the most money for the least amount of effort. Now, if you want the most money for the least amount of effort, you are not only selling out um, uh, an, an integrous definition or an integrous relationship with money. You are selling out yourself, because what, as we'll get to here shortly. Uh, um, an identities picture, um, money must be tied to a combination of passion, uh, a passion path of your life and your skill set. Did you did you hear what uh, Mark Kuban, uh, is that how you pronounce his last name? The billionaire guy, Shark Tank? Uh, yeah, I think um, so. Yeah. yeah, Kuban, I think. Um, he recently came out with a white paper, uh, uh, but this came out of his mouth uh, when he was, didn't have a cigar in it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Uh, where he said it's a ridiculous thing to connect passion path with money. Uh, he said uh, uh, this past week that uh, what you should connect to to, um, to money is effort, not passion, not your passion path. If you link your passion path it, to it, um, it's going to cause all sorts of problems. It's, it's not controllable. Um, if you want to maximize your return on your relationship with money, you need to... Um, uh, um, uh, uh, link it to your effort, and that s sideways brings in skill sets. Mm -hmm. And so, another way, if you if you denude that effort thing, at the base of it is base it on your skill sets, which may not what you be what you like to do, but yeah. is, here's your skill set, right? So I, ha I have uh, a real world example here. I just met with a client this morning who is the stepfather of a 19 year old kid, who it appears may be wanting to move back home. And uh, the, the kid has a lot of entitlement and has been pursuing uh, jobs where he could that are relatively easy for him, uh, but um, riskier and has gone through a bunch of less paying jobs that are less interesting to him um, and hasn't been able to make ends meet and is three grand or so in debt with his parents, um, but uh, doesn't want to do jobs that are beneath him at age 19. And oh, no. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That that goes right to the heart of what we're talking about. Um, if you're if you're uh, well, let's let's reference in, in the meta this way. The identity offers that human life is a is about three intrinsic uh, bandwidths of consciousness: um, beauty, bounty, and meaning. Right. Uh, where, whether we're uh, an overt aesthete or a closet aesthete, we all admire um, beauty, whether that beauty is 
mm, what's coming out the rear end of a car in a NASCAR race, I guess, is beautiful to NASCAR <laughs> race. Um, um, but beauty, however you you uh, catalog it, is a part of life that we're all striving. Uh, we're attracted to what we find beautiful. Bounty is, in identity's point of view, um, uh, sufficiency of of um, our relationship to money such that our basic um, uh, needs and wants are met um, uh, from, a, from a survival place first and a thrival place second. Mm-hmm. First survival. And this applies to what you just said. Uh, my reason I went open this door is that um, over the years, I've had Bree still, um, I'll mention, oh, you know, I did that for four weeks or I did that for three months. And she, how many bloody jobs have you had? <laughs> I, I had to finance um, uh, 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 my dedication to this thing that was in me that had to come out that wound up being identity. And all sorts of jobs that would not fit at all what you'd imagine someone who authored a brand new paradigm of the human condition would do. Cleaning houses, cleaning toilets, mowing lawns. Um, working for pl- uh, pl- uh, planning co- companies that planned out uh, um, construction projects uh, uh, over time. When does this have to be ordered to be on the ground at this moment to match the plan when they have to pour this concrete, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I worked in an, eye, eye, I, an eye, eyeglass shop. Um, oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, uh, back in, in, uh, in the Midwest. And so dozens and dozens and dozens of jobs. So there was nothing ever beneath me even though I didn't like cleaning toilets and I didn't like um, uh, cleaning offices. Um, uh, It doesn't matter if you like it or not. Um, You do whatever is necessary to provide for yourself self-responsibly. So if you're enabled by a wealthy parent um, and you get to say, well, it's beneath me this way. uh, um, Well, again, you're not coming from an authentic, integrous uh, being, uh, you're coming from your wound and your shadows. Mm. Back to the making the most money, getting the most money for the least effort. Uh, so this is part and parcel of our proof of our, and how normalized that has become uh, in our world to be um, default. Uh, and this is exactly why our relationship with money is so uh, to money is so messed up. It's mm. messed up because it's with it's withized. So back to competency here to complete this. Um, mm-hmm. um, for for identity, competency and caring are indivisible. You are you're competent because you care uh, for yourself and others, and you're caring enough to want to be competent in whatever goods and services you're exchanging. Uh, so in, in that sense, <laughs> uh, identity has a little mantra, a little funny mantra. Um, uh, he goes something like this: If you care, and you're competent, congratulations for being minimally human. If you care, and you're not competent, get more training, or in integrity, resign, whatever position is paying you. Right? If you don't care, but you're competent, uh, well, you're insufferably arrogant. I'm out of here. Uh, if you don't care and you're not competent, get out of the way and get help fast for the existential disease your consciousness is suffering for from uh, in your so-called life uh, because you're wasting this incarnational opportunity. Mm. So caring and competency um, are so indivisible in an integrous being 
that you can't take money or earn money for something that you yourself don't feel competent in. So as much as I hated cleaning toilets and, and, and helping my father in the uh, evenings uh, after school and after his first job, um, clean offices uh, in the evenings, just because you don't like it doesn't mean you, you don't do it. Uh, there's nothing you're above to, uh, I was really good at cleaning toilets and cleaning uh, uh, offices. Just because I didn't like it, what well, didn't mean I wasn't competent in it. So this is the thing that um, I once made that somebody, a lot of women who wound up living with me, not that many, <laughs> I've lived with a half a dozen in my life, um, uh, thought I was gay for a long time because I was so clean. <laughs> I, we, we joked about this. Uh, and uh, my refrigerator is, is cleaner than most women's. Um, and uh, in that sense, uh, I'm, I'm sort of predisposed to cleaning. And you once said to me way long time ago, oh, well, that makes sense. Uh, you, you like cleaning your house because you were cleaning up all the paradigms of the, of the year. <laughs> I so, forgot that. Yeah. And so I think about that uh, every time I, I uh, wash my um, our, uh, my uh, wooden hardwood floors. Well, and there. I wanted to connect that to the, the false split between self and other, which we've talked about before, before. Oh. Um, sure. That we're we have this conditioning that work is for other and not for self, and yes. that we're trading, you know, with a full time job half of our working hours to do something that we don't really want to do, so that we can do what we really want to do with the other half of the waking hours. Yes. And I did some research on this once. Um, I was teaching a class about this kind of stuff, and um, did you know? You know, in 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 Latin, the Latin root for um, in uh, for work in in Spanish is tra trabajo, in um, Portuguese it's trabalho, in uh, Italian it's travaglio. The Latin root is tripaliare, which in Roman times was like a cross, only with three sticks instead of two, and similar to a crucifix, it was used as a torture device. Oh, that's the God. root of work. That's I the do. root of work oh. in Latin. And in wow. where work comes from uh, in uh, Middle English, I believe, the prior to Germanic in English, it has the same root as reek, W-R-E-A-K. Wow. And so prior to the Protestant Reformation, where mm -hmm. this there was a spiritual reason to work hard, Work right. was seen as this bad, awful thing that you have to suffer and you want to avoid. That's where slavery came in. Well, instead of doing all this work, let's conquer those different colored people over there and get them yes. to do the work. Yes. Because work exactly. is inherently bad. Yes, work inherently bad. That's why it's so important. Uh, only the inauthentic, shadow, protective version of ourselves would, would, would relate to work that way. For our soulful, heartful, uh, authentic being, um, we only want to make money at what we are destined or 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 feel our skill sets and passion um, uh, um, agree with. Uh, it's work. You know, you found your passion path when what you do doesn't feel like work. Mm. And but that's because of this other way that you just so beautifully. Um, uh, historicized uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, is is completely only the province of our of our inauthentic version of selves and so since the inauthentic version of ourself is um, pandemically uh, pandemically describes basically 90 percent of our population uh, on on the planet um, both innocent and guilty versions of them um, uh, it, it, it's hopeless there's no way to change 
our whole species relationship with money and work uh, without a whole overhaul of the metaphysics governing the worldview of uh, human beings. Mm -hmm. So beautifully, um, that was a great spot to put that piece in there, Joseph. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. it's completely fascinating to me. And uh, you know, like I said, the, the self versus other thing, if you don't see work, even cleaning toilets as being somehow for you, Right. Then it's for other and then, you know, then invites parent projections and you're not going to want to do that great a job and you're not going to be competent at it and you're going to resent it. And then that work is something other than you rather than an expression of you. Yes. Uh, and it, that's, I think, one of the um, big problems with the younger generations. It seems they they want their passion path at age 19 and yeah. they don't see the need to earn their way toward that, which right. you and I certainly both had to do. Yes, that's for sure. So let's cap this uh, this middle value for value uh, phrase of uh, the definition of money with um, when we have, we say our authentic, soulful, heartful uh, being, we're talking about being emotively mature, uh, emotively mature. So in that sense, emotively mature people pay money and in return expect competency, caring, and accountability, which I want to say a few things about. Uh, uh, um, uh, competency, caring, and accountability uh, because they demand all three in themselves. Mm. In other words, when you, when you demand, before I can take um, uh, any money for uh, um, a reader of, of a person's incarnational imperatives or what they put in to work on this life, I, I better be pretty confident in my real competency um, uh, in being able to do this or else I couldn't take a penny for it. I have a, I have a basic confidence shown over the years um, that I have a skill set in that dimension. And thankfully, my skill sets match almost 100% resonate, resonate with my passion path. Now, this is not true for everyone. You, you might have a passion path that you haven't developed a skill set for. And so, like you just said, with um, with the younger generations, uh, they may have a passion path, but they want it whether or not they have the actual skill set for it. And that's the earning. You, you've got to have the effort based in skill sets that matches your passion path. And that's not always the case. When people I ask people over the years, you know, Joseph, you've heard these answers, right? What, what's your passion? What's your passion in life? Travel. Oh, God. Another one is helping people. Travel, um, by the way, is the same root as uh, tripoliare. Oh my and God! It's the same root. And travail it comes from the French travail. It's it implies hardship and difficulty. Isn't it fascinating? Well, now there's one I can absolutely <laughs> agree with. I, I hate to travel. Travel is I, torture. Yeah. Oh my God! You too, I think. Isn't oh it? yeah. Isn't? Yeah, I, I just, hate it. I want to stay home. Uh, that's mm -hmm. it. Uh, so in that sense, we when we when we um, pay money for a good or a serve goods or service we want we expect competency and competency is always a function of caring if you don't give a shit about the integrity of your product well you're not going to be competent in your delivery of your product whether that's a good or a service right so caring and competency are are absolutely indivisible but then there's a third piece accountability uh, when, when, when you see in government all the time, huge wastings of billions of dollars of outlay. Yeah. Oh, here's what happened. Um, um, and now we're going to fix it without ever holding accountable those who were responsible for that boondoggle 
to ever face justice over it. Like what, uh, uh, George Bush's, uh, uh, George W. Bush's uh, mistakes were made, which has been oh. called the the uh, past excusative tense. I heard yes, somebody call it. Isn't that great? Mistakes were made. In other words, we acknowledge, oh, it's all optics. We acknowledge, but we're not going to be accountable for mm -hmm. our mistakes. In fact, admitting the mistakes is accountability. That's the way, way it's passed off in the modern day. Yeah. Accountability means somebody must pay for corruption. Mm -hmm. the, the worst example, best worst example, it's worse for me because um, uh, uh, after the 20, 2008 boondoggle, uh, when it all settled out and uh, Barack was um, running the show at that time, a lot of the corporations and the people involved with the the um, the whole mortgage derivative catastrophe that blew a hole in the entire global economy were rewarded with agency overseeing to yeah. make sure it never happens again. Right. I, I remember saying to Brie, I, I was in my uh, Barack, my brother, what? After all that we can do it and. Um, yeah. How could he do that? That's like so, the inmates design the rehab program. <laughs> exactly right. So there's there's the piece of accountability that's missing in our relationship with fiduciary domains of human experience. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's always has to be accountability. And if you don't, if you want to slide by accountability again, that would never be done by an authentic, emotively mature person. So mm -hmm. in that in that sense. Um, if you're if um if you really want to make a lot of money that's really easy metaphysically it's really easy just make it the most important thing in your life mm -hmm. if you want to make a lot of money and you are dead set on making it the most important thing in your life you will find a way you'll either manipulate your way or skill set your way to wealth it's not a big secret everyone um, it's just make it the most important thing in your life but this is the this is the thing here is um, are you a money seeker uh, or are you a meaning seeker in life? Mm -hmm. You and I, of course, uh, we 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 want sufficiency of um, of uh, financial um, uh, projections and reality. But it always took a second a second ba second um, show to uh, our meaning, our quest for meaning. So as um, to souls who um, have made meaning the center, the most important thing in life. We've then tried to retrofit our relationship with money in it, and by, by and large, uh, we've both been um, basically successful. You're far more successful than me uh, uh, in this um, because you found a way to teach identity and um, uh, into the domain of business also, which I never did. And so that that's a far more set um, uh, variable in human intercourse and discourse um, a business. Uh, and so if you can you found a way to teach identities principles into business uh, organization and improvement. Um, you you have a lot more. Um, you had a lot more of a market uh, in that way. Yeah. Mine mine was pure. Who's who's curious about about. Um, destroying everything we've ever been taught about humanness versus God. Uh, yeah, without any potential financial gain from the process. <laughs> it's a way different oh, value proposition. Right, <laughs> and exactly right. And yeah. that's why we, I've mentioned another thing on other podcasts. 
uh, I either did the stupidest thing in the, you could do as an intelligent person or the, or the, or the smartest. Oh, it's a pure form. I mean, that's yeah, just how I, it had to be for you. I, wa- I walked away from a medical career um, um, in, the, in the medical arts, which we had a guaranteed uh, high, 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 high um, level income. Yeah. Uh, and then about uh, eight, nine years later, I was offered a recording contract for my songwriting and singing. And I turned that down because I saw that was just a little more um, accept- acceptable trap to get out of developing something from the ground up that didn't, didn't exist before. Uh, so uh, I know this firsthand, and I'm not patting my back here because of that. I've been struggling financially most of my life. I've gotten help from people, beautiful people over the years to tide me over this for these three years or that one year, and lots of beautiful people who have, helped, have who all unsung people in the last 40, 30 years who have contributed to my life by giving me money that I always um, uh, almost, uh, it was so beautifully in a line with I wouldn't take money from anyone that didn't feel like that I could feel believed in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So there there was a, a situation there um, where I still required that the person had a buy into what I was doing, not just because I was a smart guy or they wanted to give me money in exchange for um, sex or um, being part of the inner circle or whatever. Um, so in this sense, uh, integrity and accountability uh, is is always uh, uh, are always values associated with our emotively mature. It makes me want to share a story. But before I got into <clears throat> working with business leaders, I was a high tech recruiter uh, right before the dot bomb in two thousand, and mm-hmm. I, I specialized in finding really hard to find people, and uh, what's they call sourcing and recruiting. And mm-hmm. the the you know it's just like with dating, the good ones are usually taken. So (laughs) (laughs) at that time in tech, you know, generally to find those hard to find people, you would have to do what's called poaching, which is moving someone from one company to another company and and with very seductive offers. And what was very much rewarded and I was taught to do was um, some pretty underhanded practices like calling the VP of uh, uh, calling, you know, an HR person and posing as some executive in the company and getting them to fax you the company directory uh, so that you would have, you know, a list of all the people. That's the kind of stuff that I did. Um, And they called it rusing. You know, you were basically lying in order to get the material to be able to call people up because, you know, you can't just more. It's even harder than ever to find that kind of information. And it made me physically ill after just like a month or two of doing it. It just caused anxiety and I felt just really gross because it didn't fit my values. And I was 23, 24 at the time. I didn't have a real solid set of values, but I viscerally felt that something was very wrong about it. Um, And it caused a lot of depression. And fortunately for me, the dot bomb happened and every recruiter was fired in the (laughs) Bay Area overnight, basically. And I was out of work for three months. But I'm I'm secretly relieved that I didn't have to do it anymore. Uh, Reminds me of something I haven't thought of in years uh, in one way. Um, I actually sold health insurance at one point Mm -hmm. also. uh, And uh, I worked for a health insurance company and um, as a as an agent. And uh, I actually landed um, a health insurance account with a school district, a fairly large school Big client, yeah. Big client. Um, a lot of the other bigger ins- health insurance companies were angling. I had to compete with the agents of these other bigger Aetna and, and a few others. Uh, 
And so um, uh, when I made my presentation to the board, the school board, and it was grilled completely, um, I had to really know my stuff. And I promised them that I would be there. I would service the account, not just sell the account. Mm. For that, I had to get the okay and the buy-in because in, in, in the health insurance company I worked for, there were the ones who sold the account and then there were the ones um, at home office who serviced the account. Yeah. So um, I insisted that uh, um, uh, to my boss that I would have to, I would also service the account, work directly with the home office um, in servicing the account, and that's what got me. Uh, that's what got me to sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but 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 in that one of the most um, important uh, elements of that uh, of that package was uh, pregnancy coverage, um, uh, paying for um, time off uh, for pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was um, the big big folks were um, were offering, but were had really higher premiums uh-huh. for that particular element. When I got my boss to, um, it was still a, a smaller health insurance company, and the boss did all okayed all the evaluations, not not lesser minions in the company. He quoted me a price that was frankly a surprising to me. I mean, I know about actuarial um, um, assessments of risk, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how many people in a given population are going to have babies? Yeah. Um, how many are going to have problems with the blah 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 blah? At any rate, um, he quoted me a price that undercut the biggies, the bigger companies, by like fifteen percent, which was pretty significant. That's, I would like to say, my my integrity and uh, my warmth and the promise to service the account got me the the um, the account. And it did, I would say 50%. The other 50% is because I came, I lowballed, uh, my boss lowballed uh, the, mm-hmm. the quote. Well, fast forward, almost done here, uh, six, eight months into the, I got the account. Um, uh, the company got huge amounts of um, uh, good, good press out of it. Took them to the next level. It was just a small company at that time. Uh, and uh, and uh, pretty soon, uh, the school board was coming to me complaining that um, they were getting rejections on a lot of pregnancy oh, no. um, um, uh, uh, um, claims. And when I went to my boss, he did a very similar thing as what you just said about rusing. He said, um, well, tell him we're working on it. Oh, God. Uh, and I, I said, I have, to, I have to, I live in the same town as these people. Uh, I I can't I have to represent them. Why I need to go back to them in the next school board meeting? Why they're not getting their claims uh, pregnancy uh, paid? Well, um, uh, we're finding uh, our our statisticians saying that um, we can't really cover all of them. So in tried and true, and this is a truth from the inside. A lot of people know this from the outside. Insurance companies are in the business of obfuscation and daring people of limited means to sue them for reneging on actual policy uh, dynamics that they agreed on ahead. They just the disintegrity in the in the health insurance uh, 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 domain in this country is beyond the corruption is beyond description. Well, I wouldn't do it. Um, I would. I had. I. I. He. Want, he finally confided. Confided in me that um, it was to get the sale, and that they're doing the best they can. But uh, uh, the in, the money they were making on the money of their income still wasn't paying off to be able to pay all the 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 um, the, the logistics of the policy. So just put it off. Tell them we'll pay it. Don't worry. Or um, or say or say they misunderstood. Oh God. Choice. You can't misunderstand what's in black and white. Right? Yeah. Well, I, I, I said I won't do it. 
and uh, he finally, and he, of course, he fired me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this this is another you know um, story of what happens when you get into the business where money is the most important thing in your life. Uh, yeah. Corporation money is the blood supply. Uh, uh, business is the blood supply. But that alone is one step removed, as you said, in another dimension here from our personal relationship with money. When you collectivize it into a business, the, the lowest common denominator wins in collectivism always, always. Um, oh. And so uh, you're going to have a far more corruption um, in, in business space for corruption than you would have in some ways with an individual. But I think in the modern, that was in my day, in the modern day, it's about equal. All yeah. you have to do is look at the 45th president and uh, all the troubles he's in right now. Yeah. So at, at any rate, um, uh, in that sense, that we've just completed the value for value um, uh, version of it. Um, in that sense, uh, when we're talking about um, the last phrase of a mutual good service and integrity with others um, comes in a very important counterintuitive element. And that is we've all been taught that because of our wound-based, will-based relationship with money, um, we have been taught to learn how to willfully manifest it. Mm. Will, willfully manifest it. That's a yangic dynamic that uh, most people still, the 99% of the people on the planet don't get that as of 2012, the yang dimension of God has taken a backseat to the yin dimension of God, which happened in 2012. And will manifestation of money is no longer supported by divinity. Um, now it's not manifest, manifesting money by will, but drawing money to us based on inner right relationship to money. That's, that's the new um, uh, modicum of, uh, of humanity's support from divinity to draw money in concert with your healthy inner state relationship to money, not manifesting it by will. Manifesting it by will will create all those things that you just said, strategies and tactics to get money. Um, and there's no strategy or tactic uh, in an emotionally mature person's relationship to money. There just isn't. And that way you can sit back, gulp hard, and trust that money will come to you as needed. Now, uh, when, you're <laughs> when you're planting seeds for a paradigm that has never existed, a whole par- a new paradigm of the human condition, um, there's not a lot of elements except to work side jobs to pay the rent and, and, and eat mm. and get some donations from people once in a while. Um, so in that sense, my trust level had to be, you know, as high as the sky to be able to get along all these years and and not manifesting by will but by trust and every single month sometimes it came down to the last day i've never been homeless i've never gone hungry i've never owned a home Bree and i are both lifelong renters um i've never had a lot of money that i had a 10-year period that you know of where um, I, I, I made um, the most I ever made in my life is about 120,000 a year, take home about 72,000. That was living on $72,000 a month with a, 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 a spouse and a stepchild. That is not a lot of money, take home, yeah. uh, even at that time, which was about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so 
That's the most money I ever made. And I can say that plainly and clearly and honestly uh, on this podcast. So I've never been wealthy. Um, but for a period of time, my waiting and trusting paid off. And all of a sudden, people got interested, not in this country, mostly, but in, in, in mm -hmm. Europe, got interested. So it drew, I drew it by that trust, even though that all had to collapse because of another element of my, of my uh, shadow got involved with it afterward or and during it. So in that sense, um, uh, our, new, our new fiat for our relationship to money is not will-based, but it's trust-based. Draw it to us. I've got a, I've got a negative. Sorry, sorry, go ahead to draw it to us. Yeah, I've got an opposite story than what you just shared. It's about four or five years ago. Um, I had a uh, a client who uh, his leads dried up. He was a, a professional services guy, and he was working on marketing. And somehow, like I, I was struck with fear because his business for decades had been all referral, and it just disappeared on him. Uh -huh. and and I was helping him with some of that and it just I was struck with fear somewhere in me that well that could happen to me too because my business has been 99.9% .9 referral mm -hmm. so for a couple of years I tried marketing I hired someone put 10 15,000 dollars over a couple of years into marketing not a single one of those dollars paid off it was oh. a complete and total failure Oh my God. And it was really wow. painful because it just showed me I was reaching from this insecure lack place of, I want to be able to control my lead flow yes, uh, in case it ever dries up. And life basically right. answered like, no, you don't get to do that. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Well, and again, that, that says something about you that that didn't stick or gravitate to you. That says somewhere in you, you're too purely a meaning-based guy than a money-based guy for it to stick. But it was so frustrating. <laughs> I, it's still, I mean, I've sure. made peace with it. And every once in a while, I feel this itch of like, oh, yeah, I should really do something. To, and I'm like, no, I tried that. I dead-ended that. Um, yeah. it, it didn't oh, work. Got to keep trusting. Well, when you have a will-based um, relationship with accumulating money, you're going to always be overcoming obstacles, whatever they are. Um, in this case, the, an obstacle by trying to maximize, um, you know, a, a different marketing uh, a picture of things. Mm -hmm. um, but here's the difference. Edenists don't overcome obstacles. They undergo possibles. We're constantly undergoing the possibilities of life and if we're not drawing sufficient um, money for our basic survival and some minimum or medium thrival um, that's telling us something either something is missing in here to not draw it um, or what your good or service um, is not really tuned to the need basis of the world society yeah. Um, so if your passion path is making um, flutes made out of bamboo um, because the bamboo will give a ting, a tinder or a, or a, uh, um, a tamper, an element, tamper of, um, of, um, of, a, uh, of color uh, to the sound um, that is more spiritual than um, a one made of metal. Well, okay. Uh, if you put, that's your passion path, um, that's the, that's your that's your product. Um, it's not really suited <laughs> to the world's um, wor worldview of, of, of marketing in, in, the, in the planet. And mine was at the la I can say that with a smile because my, my version was last in line. Uh, 
where where do you go to market an entire yeah. new, new paradigm of the human condition that contradicted 500 years of psychological, 1,000 years of philosophical, and 5,000 years of religious teaching? Where do, you, where, where do you go with that? You certainly don't go to the Pope and say, hey, bud, can you uh, siphon some of that... Um, uh, uh, that money uh, from the Vatican there, yeah. so I can un unseat, uh, collapse yeah. your, your paradigm. Would you like an experience that everything you've always learned is completely wrong? Like how much? <laughs> how much would you be willing to pay? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Exactly right. Uh, and that reminds me uh, at this moment in time before we complete in terms mm -hmm. of integrity and 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 solid so solidness in our um, our relationship uh, to money. Uh, I've got to talk about Bernie Madoff's magic uh -huh. technicolor 10% return dream coat machine, um, where uh, the from the uh, lots of movie stars and celebrities, those bastions of deep into philosophical uh, insight, um, and a lot of mom and pop uh, folks also invested in uh, Bernie's um, uh, Ponzi scheme without ever asking how. He got his 10% return every yeah. year, every year, every year. And of course, he was just gaslighting the entire time. And uh, even uh, even he was bought in by the regulatory SEC, the agency that was supposed to oversee him. He gaslit them too with his charm. And so uh, that's fine. Um, people um, are responsible for investing in someone who's a, a faker. Uh, um, but uh, what really bothered me, that didn't bother me so much. This I've seen this kind of shysterism over a couple thousand years of incarnating here, hmm. every, every different forms. What bothered me was that they, uh, it, was so, it was so outrageous that the, the, gov the government stepped in and said, you, you can sue. Uh, uh, there was a legal redress uh, uh, allowed. It was a loophole in some other law that allowed you to sue Bernie for money you willingly gave him that was risky. Now, and so everybody got on the bandwagon and um, was suing Bernie, trying to get their money back. But, um, you know, uh, suing uh, Bernie for the money you chose to give him, I have a good metaphor for it. It's like, um, um, uh, it's, it's like suing a, 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 a thief, a, a robber, a burglar for robbing you um, when you invited them in to take your jewelry so you can get an insurance check for your loss. <laughs> that, right, it's privatizing profit, socializing risk. Exactly right. Mm. And so uh, that was what appalled me far more than the uh, silliness of people investing in this 10% uh, dream coat machine. Yeah, uh, well, it's victimhood. It's a form of victimhood. Yeah, to total victimhood. Mm -hmm. So there's a case where Bernie, well, you know, he was such, if you knew the guy, you'd know he was really an affable guy, very friendly, warm. He didn't have the eyes of the Zuck or Jeff or Bill. Um, uh, he was really uh, affable and cared about people and warm. And he, uh, he knew himself what he was doing, but he couldn't stop himself from wanting to help people uh, in the end. And too bad you don't get to do that burn. Yeah. And, uh, and he passed away in jail, I think. Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. So um, when we talk about our relationship with uh, to money, what's in the ideal sense, but is actually by default with money. We're talking about a worldwide um, disease, mm. and that 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 is so ensconced by default in almost every moment aspect of human life that it's impossible to be free of it 
Um, all you can do is um, trust divine being, match your skill set and your passion path, only take um, money relative to what your skill set incompetently gives in your caring for people. Uh, uh, find a niche in there. And in my in my my niche, which is we've talked about this a couple of times and you said, well, there's a clean there's a way to do this that's cleaner. And you're right. But um, I'm sort of old and set in my ways. I make sure I bank uh, in, a, in, in a bank that doesn't give any interest on my savings mm. or, or my checking accounts. No mm. interest. I don't want backwash from that corrupt system coming mm. into my um, my personal um, uh, world of finance. Now, that's crazy, stupid in some ways, but it's my one form of activism that yeah. I can do. Uh, and, and that's OK with me. Um, uh, how much do, how much interest does um, can you really get on savings these days anyway? But, but back in the day when you when you could get six or seven percent, yeah, I was I was foregoing quite a bit of money. Yeah. Um, and to this day, it's still the case. Um, so that way, uh, that's how it works it for my life. Is it another I just recently watched uh, on the subject a documentary about Woodstock 99. Oh, yes, I saw and, I saw. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a fascinating uh juxtaposition between the Woodstock of 69 and Woodstock 99, which was very profit driven. And they outsourced the uh, sanitation, uh, subcontracted out the sanitation thing and the food thing. And so they had people who were doing the minimum of emptying of porta potties and or not emptying them as the case was they were doing the minimum around that which created huge sanitation problems and uh let people price gouge bottles of water and food and stuff and uh right. and that upset the crowds and of course it was not in the spirit of woodstock which was sort of the yes. brand for it resulting right. in pissing people off resulting in riots and even there were rapes and people died it was a horrible horrible thing and it's such a good example of what the uh, willful manifestation energy does uh, in a sort of microculture like that one um, uh, music festival, but that's going on all over the world all, all the time. Over the world. Right, all based on the axiom: the most money for the least effort. Yeah, uh, right? it has a cost. It does. I once uh, reminds me here, Joseph. A quick aside: I, somebody was once asked me about that no interest thing. My own small little silly activism way and and uh, and um i i said uh well what if everyone did that you know what if everyone did that wouldn't wouldn't that sort of challenge the system we wouldn't topple it but wouldn't it challenge it and they weren't having any of it so i i came up with a metaphor for this person i said imagine being um 2 a.m two in the morning um a stadium an athletic stadium mm -hmm. uh that has a, a a top to it that you can close and, and all the lights are off. All the lights are off, and, and you're you're up in the um, the highest tier uh, bleacher section. And someone lights a candle on the 50 yard line, let's say, uh, of that stadium. And that, despite millions and millions of gallons of darkness, mm. you will be able to see that candle uh, half a mile away on the 50 yard line. And that's a metaphor for all of us to take that um, our own small contributions to anything which seems so drowned out by the white noise of the world yeah. uh, and, and, and the contrary dynamics of corruption and misinformation. Um, try to remember that uh, if you get discouraged by all that, try to remember that metaphor because no, no amount of darkness will stop real light 
Uh, and that real light comes from a position we take in our heart and soul about how we relate to the vagaries of this world. Unlike the, the spiritual paradigms of the past, Joseph, you know this better than anyone, um, uh, that want to wanted to break away from mundane human culture and all the Maya in the culture and all the greed and the and the cruelty and the inhumanity. So they sanitize by having little islands called ashrams and retreat centers, uh, separating uh, uh, ashrams in the old days, completely separated from uh, human life. Had had people shave their heads and wear the same clothes to depersonalize them. Um, and thereby try to ensconce, be ensconced in a, a away from all the Maya and corruption of humanity uh, uh, and to get some spiritual work done. Mm. Well, uh, identity doesn't fall for that uh, stuff at all. Um, uh, it doesn't expect a utopian world. It doesn't work toward a utopian world. It says, let's learn how to meditate in a New York subway uh, <laughs> at rush hour. Let's 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 learn to um, uh, uh, be whole when our families uh, uh, tell us we're crazy and our partners divorce us because of our 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 soulful uh, picture of things. Be willing to not try to change the world, um, but change yourself. And that's, of course, a mantra that I, I certainly didn't event, invent, yeah. but it, it has meaning in so many other dimensions as the original context for that was that was said. And, and, and that is don't expect a spiritually sanitized world. Don't expect an Eden. When we say identity, we're talking about an inner state, not creating an outer state of a world um, government, one world government where uh, everything is transhumanized and uh, we were herded like cattle at the push of a button, uh, which World <laughs> Economic Forum guy uh, is, mm. is all for transhumanism. Um, it's none of that. In other words, uh, take the world as it is and learn that when we change our insides, the outside uh, of our world changes too, all within the parameters of how pure we're willing to embody, as we started this conversation, mm. our truthful, soulful, authentic being. Whew. Amen. Amen. And a little postscript to that. Um, take a look at your relationship to beauty, to bounty, and to meaning, because you can have a wound-based relationship with meaning also. Mm -hmm. Just ask a just ask a, a Q and honor. Um, <laughs> uh, and you will have your answer there. So in that sense, uh, to be uh, a holy human is to be holy with a W, human. A holy human is holy human, and in that an identity, and in that sense, uh, it's all about our internal Edenic state, um, not any sanitized or purified world that's going to make it easier for us to turn our insides into um, a, a clean, clear, integrous place. It's the other way around. All of human life works from the inside out, not the outside in. And we have a world uh, going absolutely crazy and destructing, self-destructing as we speak in slow motion yeah. Uh, yeah. because we've all been conditioned to create a world from the outside in and nowhere does that show itself so plainly than in the world of money? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's a lot to digest. I don't know if we're going to spend more time on money. Maybe uh, take it down a level into some practicalities. I'm not sure. Or go into the economy. We'll find out. 
Oh, we, we, yeah. If you want to um, structure some questions around that, yeah. uh, I did sort of the overview today. Oh. I'm, you're more of a financial, um, acute financial observer of the human condition than I am. So if you want to bring five or six questions, I'm sure we can fill an hour and a yeah. half with five, five yeah, or six. I'll, I'll think about that. Well, in the meantime, I hope this was rich and valuable for you and um, maybe even worth some money. If it was to you, you can PayPal <laughs> me at the uh, if you want if this if this podcast is valuable to you, here's identity might ask the question, why wouldn't you give us money? So, that's not really the spirit of this, but certainly uh, we would take it. Um, uh, cer- certainly we would. Yeah. Uh, so um, thanks for listening. Thanks you thank you, Stace. This was really fascinating for me. And uh, tune in next time to see what we're talking about next. All right. Thanks, Joseph, as always. Yeah. Okay. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.